0: I don't know about you, but I'm about ready to shout about my freedom in Christ. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. Thank you for the victory that we have in Jesus Christ, our Savior, uh, that uh, God would free us and give us eternal life. It's amazing to me. I want to thank Him for that and praise Him. I want to thank our church family also for uh, an amazing Sunday last week. Uh, What an honor. And uh, what a blessing it was to Jack and I both to uh, have you guys to make such a fuss over us about uh, really doing what God's called us to do and what we really love to do. But thank you guys so much for that special day. It means so much to us, and it certainly does encourage us in so many different ways. And so I just want to thank you for that. I want to invite you to turn your Bibles, if you would, to Joshua. Chapter Three, Joshua Chapter Three, entitled a message this morning, real similar to last week's. The last week's, you know, was about possessing the promises of God. This one's about today about pursuing those same promises. You know, it's one thing where God shares with us, tells us the things that He's going to give to us or He's going to do for us uh, about uh, knowing those promises. You know, for Israel. It was the promised land that God had guaranteed, given His word that He would give it to them. But, you know, it was something else for them to go in and actually pursue those promises. How often do we read in the Bible uh, certain things that God promises us? Uh, He promises us an inheritance in heaven. You know, He promises us He'll never leave us or forsake us. He promises that we'll have a place to cast our cares because He cares for us. All those promises, but... How often or how much time in our life do we really spend pursuing those promises, really going after the things that God has guaranteed in our lives? How much time do we waste in not pursuing those very same things? And so Israel was on the east side of the Jordan River, and they were looking uh, across the river to the promised land, and they were seeing what God had promised them. Uh, but yet they weren't, hadn't gone after it yet. And we're just in a few short days, we're going to read that God sent them across that river and made the way for them to pass through. And he was certainly going to let them pursue what he had promised them. And so I want us to think about that this morning. How can we do that as well? How can we pursue the things that God's promised us? You know, I want to kind of hang behind the pulpit this morning because uh, uh, yesterday I worked really hard and 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 I'm feeling life today. Let me just say it like that. You know, sometimes it's in our, in our pain that we really know that we're alive, that we really know that things are real. And so uh, certainly for Israel, they were looking across the Jordan. They could see what was their destiny, but they just weren't there yet. Maybe you're like that today. You can see that God has plans for you, that God has some things that he wants to do in your life but you're just not hardly there yet, and that's where we want to be. Follow along with me if you would, and let's read some in Joshua chapter 3. As a matter of fact, we're just going to look at the whole chapter this morning and listen to what the Bible says. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out uh, for for Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. And so it was after three days that the officers went through the camp And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from the place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for, the, <clears throat> for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And then Joshua spoke to the priest, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. And so they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. And so Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he uh, will without fail... "...drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, and the Hivites, and the Perizzites, and the G- uh, Gergesites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites." A lot of sites, on uh, <laughs> Verse 11. "...behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. And now, therefore, take for yourselves twelve men from the tribe of Israel, one man from every tribe." And it shall come to pass, as soon as the souls of the feet of the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the water of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. And so it was when the people set out from the camp to cross over the Jordan, with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, And as those who bore the Ark of the Covenant came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant dipped into the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows its banks during the whole time of harvest, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zerah, so that the waters that went down into the sea of the (coughs) Arabah; the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. And then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel crossed over on dry land till all people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Pray with me if you would. (coughs) Lord, thank you. For the testimony of your people and of your power in their lives Lord thank you that we have victory in Jesus Christ our Savior thank you Lord that there's many things that we pass over ourselves because of Jesus Christ we pass over death into life, darkness into life we thank you that in him we have all things and all blessings Lord, I pray this morning that you'll teach us uh, these lessons of victory in our lives. That you'll teach us this morning what it is to pursue the promises that you have for us. What it takes to keep on keeping on in our relationship with you. So, Lord, I pray that you'll take these words, your scripture, and just press them into our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, what an amazing story, right? about the journey of the children of Israel, not only through the wilderness, but up to the very Jordan and the preparation for them to cross over. Uh, you know, it's, it's amazing to me how often that I find myself at certain places or thresholds in life. Do you, have, you, have you been there before? Where you're just ready for that, that breakthrough that you need in your life. You're, uh, you know, kind of perched on the edge of things, ready for God to do something really great. And you know there's a danger, right? The first time Israel was presented in this position, they turned around and went the other way. And so there's the danger of you and I getting to that very place where God really wants to do some incredible, significant things in our life, and then we, we back up from it or we turn away. Well, look, Israel didn't do that. They went on and they pursued the promises of God, and that's certainly what we want to do and place, uh, in a place that we want to be as well. So I want you to think about some things with me. First of all, if we're going to pursue these promises that God's given to us as His people, we have to, make, we have to commit to the Lord, right? We, we have to decide and we have to yield and give ourselves in, in a, a committed way to the Lord Jesus Christ if we're going to go after the things that He's promised to us. Now, there, there's a lot that we need to understand, I think, about commitment. Uh, I I certainly am learning every day about what it means to be more committed to the Lord uh, and and less committed to myself. And and so there's a lot that Israel had to learn, but in this particular place in their history, they really learned quite a bit about how to be committed to the Lord. First of all, if you look with me at verse 1, if we're going to be committed to the Lord, we have to make it a priority. In other words, it has to be something that's uh, in, in first place in our life, the Lord Jesus Christ We have to choose to focus our lives and center our lives around him. Now, Israel certainly did that. Look at some of those things in verse 1. The Bible says, first of all, that Joshua rose early in the morning. You know, listen, for me, I want to tell you that I'm not going to rise early in the morning unless it's for something I'm committed to. Amen? You guys with me? Right. Uh, And I think many of you are like that as well. If I'm going to get up and if I'm going to put the energy in it, then it better have some value to me. better have some sense of importance to me. And so Joshua said that, hey, uh, early in the morning, he rose up. uh, And and really, all of Israel rose up with him. They rose up early in the morning, and they set out uh, for uh, (coughs) uh, Acacia uh, Grove. Uh, Listen, that was a place where uh, Israel... Uh, was uh, encamped. And it was a place where Moses, the area where Moses spoke his last words to Israel, you know, in Deuteronomy. It was a place where uh, God spoke the last words on earth that he did to Moses before he came to heaven. Uh, And it was a place where Israel grieved the loss of Moses. The Bible says for 30 days that they were grieving for the loss of Moses and their leader and uh, where Joshua was appointed. And so they were there. Uh, and it uh, was a place that was about seven miles from the Jordan River. So they were backed away from it. So they had to journey that particular day for about seven days. and you th- I mean, seven miles. And so you think about, well, uh, you know, what's the big deal? Walking seven miles is not so bad. I've done that before, right? Uh, but, but think about it just for a minute. It's not just Joshua and some small group of people. It's, it's Joshua and maybe one to three million people. Uh, historians estimate that the number of the Israelites that crossed the Jordan River were between one and three million people. So a seven mile journey was an all day thing. I mean, they would, could be strung out for seven miles in, in traveling from where they were to the Jordan River. You know, why did they do that? Because they were committed to what God wanted for them and His promises. They got up that morning, they said, Let's go to the Jordan. They went to the Jordan. And you know if you look at verse two, they got there three days early. How many of you ever get to anything early anymore? You guys I know I know what you guys are saying what's oh, my wife? you know well well let me tell you it's not my wife because she gets there early we we they they got there early, they had time to spare. they were committed to this thing. we're going to get up we're going to go. And we're going to get there in plenty of time to get ready to cross over the Jordan River. You see, we have to be committed to the Lord. How do we make God a priority in our life? Well, first of all, doesn't it really start out, first of all, thinking about Him? I mean, really, if something's a priority, don't we spend our our mind time on something that we're committed to or... We prioritize, think about it a lot. Something you're excited about, you think about it, don't you? Well, w- w- it certainly begins there. It's thinking about the Lord Jesus Christ or, or, or focusing on him. Certainly with our mind is getting up every morning. The Bible says Joshua got up early. And I really believe that when Joshua woke up, probably when his eyes cracked open, and his mind began to function before his coffee, that Joshua thought, this is the day. We're starting... Bound to the Jordan River. We're we're close to what God is gonna begin and do this great work in our lives. And so he he got up early. You know, isn't it a challenge to just wake up every morning and say, This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Sometimes we wake up, to be honest, don't we? We get up in the morning and say, Oh no, it's another day. Oh no, it's another day. Uh, Jackie and I don't have uh, very many opportunities to have breakfast together because her earliness is earlier than mine. And she gets up and goes, and, and so she's gone. But on the weekends, we have some time together, and we can get up together, and we sit down, and we eat together, and we pray for our breakfast. One of the things we always pray for is, Lord, this day's your day, and you have things in this day that you want for us. Help us to find those things. Help us to be excited about those things, the possibilities that you have for us. And so we start out, you know, thinking about the Lord and thinking about His goodness. During, it's also doing things together also that helps us to keep our commitment to God. Doing things together is God's people. Right? The Bible says Joshua rose up early and they went with Him. You know what? They got up together with Him and they, they left. How powerful is the fellowship of God's people? How much strength do we get from the people of God as we fellowship together? How how much better is it when we can share our burdens together? When we're not isolated and alone, but we spend our, our time together and we're encouraged by each other. All of a sudden I hear your stories and your stories that God's doing things in your life are encouragement to me and and we can share what God's doing together and we're all lifted up by it. Friday, Jackie and I took a, a trip to Rogersville, Tennessee to check about our summer mission project and we looked at some things and we were talking with uh, uh, with Sheldon Livesey and we shared with him what we had hoped to do and he was sharing with us about some things that were happening in his area. And about a year ago, they had an area-wide revival and crusade. And in that area-wide revival and crusade, 300 people were saved. 300 people were saved during that. It wound up lasting about 30 days. And throughout that whole time, guys, they had salvation. They had some men except Jesus Christ that were 94 and 90 year old. Uh, it broke out and spread through some of the churches and some of the churches that hadn't had a baptism in five or six years now were baptizing people. And that, that spirit of revival is moving, began to move there. And, and you know, when I heard those stories and those testimonies, you know, the thought went across my mind, this is what we've been praying for. You know, revival and awakening and uh, God moving again. So I was encouraged by spending time with with. Someone who's a child of God. We can be encouraged in those same ways if we do that. They were together and they encouraged each other. They faced the challenge that was ahead so they could pursue God's problems. But you know what they did? They did it together and they became an encouragement for each other. It's important that we not forsake the assembling of ourselves. You know, in the, the book of Hebrews where it says that thing, we're real quick to draw that out. But, but look, it's in the context of, if you read it, because of what's happening today. <laughs> in other words, we need to be together because of what's happening today. More needful than ever that we encourage each other in the Lord. And so, one way, another way that we can focus, make God a priority in our life. And then the other thing is serving God with excellence. Serving God with excellence. You know, I think about it, I'm still amazed by this mass of people being moved uh, so far along the way. And they got there three days early. I don't know who was their logistical supervisor. But let me tell you what. He did a great job getting everybody there and all their stuff. And getting there early three days. That's excellence. And God wants you and I to perform for him with excellence. Not with mediocrity or half-heartedness, but with all that we are and all that we have, we serve Him. We give Him our best. The best that we have to offer, we give to God. As we do that, then you know what? That's that's an indication or at least an affirmation that He's a priority in our life. That He's important. And so, as we commit to the Lord, we have to make Him a priority. Let me give you a second thing uh, about commitment also. Not only make it a priority, but if you look at verse 2, be patient. Be patient. By the way, they got there three days early. <laughs> three days early, they had to wait. Now, how hard is that, right, to wait on the Lord? Because sometimes in our waiting, along comes these distractions. Along comes our, our enemy that we, you guys sang about. Even though he's defeated, he's still active. And what does he want to do in those times when we don't think... God is moving or when things are a little bit still that we have to be patient and wait on the Lord. When we don't seem to hear him like he used to speak or has spoke, we still wait on the Lord. Why did they get there three days early? Because they were needing to get ready for the things that were about to happen. Patience. Patience. Let God work out his plan in our lives. I love what Psalm's 27 verse 14 says this. It says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. What was he doing? There they were. They were faced with this raging river, and on the other side they were looking past that and seeing these strongholds. And what was God doing the whole time? He was strengthening their heart, strengthening their heart, getting them ready, raising their courage. Right? <laughs> I don't know about you, but if I look at scary things long enough, I, I don't get crazy, I get scared. But God was there strengthening their hearts. They needed that time of preparation to be able to get where God wanted them to be. You may be in a season where God's saying, wait on me, wait on me. Don't He didn't say, give up on me. But he says, "Wait on me, wait. I'm going to do some really important things." And so, be patient. Isaiah 40 verse 31. Maybe some of y'all's favorite verse says, "But those who wait on the Lord shall be re- shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with eagles' wings. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint." Right? How how beautiful is that isn't it? We wait on the Lord. He strengthens us so that we'll be ready to soar and to move forward in our lives. Maybe a time where God's speaking into you, into your spirit, the things that you need, the wisdom that you need, the courage that you need to get up and go forward. Spend that time waiting on Him. And then also when it comes to commitment to the Lord as well. Another thing that we need to do is keep a right perspective. In other words, it's real easy to look away from God when we're in times of of, of waiting. It's real easy to get focused on some other things uh, when it comes to God. But if you look at verses 3 and 4, he talks about a right perspective. You see, having a right perspective for God helps us to to, to see our world uh, different than we normally would. If we're seeing God in the context of seeing Him and seeing this world, then it it always looks different than it does if we're just looking at it with a natural eye. You see, for Israel, the Ark of the Covenant represented the very presence of God. I mean, they took it with them into battle. They took it with them wherever they went. And, and, And when they saw the Ark of the Covenant, they were encouraged to know that God was with them. God was with them. And certainly in in this time they were seeing that that Ark of the Covenant and and they were seeing everything that was happening around them in the perspective of God. Look at verse 3. Scripture says, uh, um, And and they commanded the people, saying, uh, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. It says in verse 4, Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits. You see 2,000 cubits is about 3,000 feet, which is about a little over half a mile. And and so the commandment was, "Let, let God lead, right? And then with a million to three million people, they needed perspective so that they weren't all crunched together around it and blocking each other's vision. And so they could see it ahead as God would lead them through it. Uh, and that really brings me to the idea is that, that you see, they were looking past the covenant, the Ark of the Covenant, past the presence of God through to the promises of God, the land. Every time they looked toward the land, they saw it through the lens of God. You see, only do we can do that in life today, only to until we get to a place where we can see everything through our Lord Jesus Christ and through that lens of the cross and His love for us and His grace in our lives that we'll see this world in a completely different way, that things will mean, become different for us and important to us. You see, some of the things that comes when we're seeing the world in that way is that we get discernment from following God, uh, seeing not the problems. Remember, they were looking across fortified cities, enemies everywhere, and they were looking across a raging river, but yet all they could see was the presence of God. And the problems that lied on the other side really became possibilities for them drawing closer to God. And so they saw that and they had discernment. They, had, they got direction from it. You know, verse 4. Look at verse 4. It says, uh, keep this space. And, and, and it goes on to say, do not come near it, that you may know the way. Right? How many, how many of you know the way? Oh, I know. Jesus is the way, the truth. <laughs> I know that. But, but he, he says that you've never been here before. Really, how many of you are at a place in your life where you've never been before? All of us, right? All of us. We're all in seasons of life that we've never saw, we've never been before, we've never experienced before. Our our lives are changing, the world that we live in is changing, all that kind of thing. But what is the one steady thing that never changes? The Lord Jesus Christ. And in that, He gives us direction. If we'll follow Him and keep him in perspective, Uh, you know, we get direction. Uh, Also, we understand destiny by seeing life through the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when they saw those priests pick that ark up, and when they were standing behind it, looking across the river, they saw their destiny. You see, when we lift up the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives, and he's lifted up in our, our hearts and our thoughts, then all of a sudden, we know our destiny, right? That's heaven with him. That inheritance that he promises. And so he says to us, listen, what we have to do is that we have to get perspective. And then last thing about commitment. We'll not commit to the Lord, by the way, until our perspective's right. The last thing about commitment also, if look at verse 5, is that uh, uh, we need to get ourselves prepared. Right? Get yourself prepared. Right. If we're if we're going to cross those those barriers, if we're going to reach in to pursue what God's promises are, then we got to be prepared for it. What does He say? He says in verse five, "Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify yourself." Right. The 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 word "sanctify" in Scripture always means to be set apart. It, it's the word that the word "holy" comes from. Set apart. And, and so, Joshua's instruction to the people is, is get yourself ready, sanctify yourself, set yourself apart. Listen, first of all, it, it, we set ourselves apart in the, ter- in the idea of designation. We set ourselves apart for a reason, for God. We, we ought to be, as believers, set apart in our understanding for God's glory. In other words, I ought to see myself... As a a vessel of glory for God. As, As someone whose existence and being is for one thing and one thing only. And that's to glorify God. I ought to see myself as a living, breathing testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. That I'm wholly created and redeemed to bring glory to Him. And everything that I do ought to be wrapped around that understanding that, that my life and my existence is to the glory of God. And anything else needs to go. He says, sanctify yourself. In other words, set yourself apart. Not, not just, to th- you know, we, sometimes we set ourselves apart because we think we're so special, right? Oh, you know, I'm special. Uh, I can do this or I can do that. No. The idea is to set ourselves apart for God. Not for ourselves but for God. Most of the world today are so busy about setting themselves apart for themselves and they have no thought of God. But for you and I, it's for God. And then also he talks about the degree. That word means holy. Holy. What degree is that? It's it's W-H-O-L-L-Y. You know what that is? That's all of us. All of us. It's the entirety of us. It's everything about us should be set apart for the glory of God because He deserves that very thing. You know, I can imagine seeing that river in flood stay, stage. Can you imagine? I mean, it's just raging. Probably trees being, you ever seen a flood? You know, we had some out not long ago in Middleton, Tennessee and, and real floods, they eat off the banks of the river, trees fall in, all kinds of things get stopped up, it overflows even more, it spreads out everywhere, and they're that's what they're seeing. And they're looking at that thing, and, and Joshua says, we're going to cross over. And I don't know about you, but here's where I'm at with that, is that I'm thinking about, are you kidding me? <laughs> I don't see a boat, I don't see a bridge, I don't see anything and you're going to ask us to cross over that river? But then Joshua says, sanctify yourself. You know, for me, I'm sitting on that bank and I'm looking at that river, thinking about crossing that river. And you know what? I'm, con- I'm going to start confessing my sins. <laughs> I'm going to say, God, if you want me to go on that river, forgive me. <laughs> uh, forgive me. Uh, of, of of And I'd name them. And the ones I couldn't name or didn't remember, I'd give a... Lord, forgive me of everything, before I set foot in that river. Joshua telling us to get your heart right with God before we cross over this river. If we want to see God revive Garrison Baptist Church, it's not going to happen until we get our hearts right with God. It's not. It's not going to happen until we start confessing our sins not have it's not, ha- not going to happen until we're yielded to the Holy Spirit to the place where we hear him and we yield to him so Joshua says hey get yourself ready because God's about to do some wonderful things I think God is telling you and I today is that get yourself ready if you want me to do wonderful things well, We've got to be committed to the Lord. Um, there's some other things I wanted to tell you this morning, but we're not going to have time to do that. It was about communicating with the Lord, right? We've got to communicate with the Lord, and He deserves our attention and that communication. And, and when we communicate with Him, you know what that does? That develops assurance. When we're talking to God, and God's talking to us, what happens is we get excited and we get reassured. Really Look at verse 7. For Joshua, it was him and his leadership. He says, And the Lord said to Joshua that this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel so that uh, they, they may know that as I was with Moses, I'll be with you. So when Joshua was communicating with God, God was telling him, Listen, Joshua, I want to do some things that are going to set you apart as the leader of this nation so you can have confidence. You're going to be called to make some hard decisions and hard choices, and I want you and I to have this ongoing conversation so you'll be confident in what you're doing. You want confidence in your life? Then talk to God. Let His voice reassure you. For for Israel, it was crossing that river and going into that promised land. Look at verse 9. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will, without fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites, and the list all the people that are living in the promised land. It wasn't only about crossing the river, but it was everything else. They needed confidence to cross that Jordan River, and God was about to give it to them, but also they needed confidence to conquer the enemy in the land. How were they going to get that? By hearing the voice of God by having communication with God, what happens we get assurance from that. And then there's verses 12 through 17 are about celebrating the Lord, isn't it? Uh, They were looking forward to what God was going to do. He was going to manifest His presence. He was going to show His power and He was going to keep His promises. All those things God was going to do. And we ought to celebrate Him for that. You see, this morning, we've got to make a decision. And that decision that we've got to make, are we going to pursue these promises of God? Or are we going to walk out of here, maybe just as we were, happy and satisfied with where we are? I read a story not long ago about a, about a contractor in Oklahoma this contractor at Oklahoma, he was a contractor in the Tulsa area. And one of the things that Tulsa's famous for is tornadoes, right? I I mean, Oklahoma gets ripped with tornadoes coming through all the time. So this contractor had this idea, and he thought, you know what? I'm going to add an option to the homes I build. For $2,500, I'll build you a safe room, a safe room. It'll have a bathroom in it. It'll have lights, it'll, it'll be a place where when these tornadoes come through, you can run down and you can bunker up. Uh, and if you're not using it, by the way, there's an extra bathroom or storage or whatever you want to use it for. And so the first 10 people he had contract a house, they, uh, nine of the 10 said, hey, I want that safe room. <laughs> I want that safe room. But, but the 10th customer that he had said, you know what? Instead of that safe room, I want a hot tub. I just want a hot tub. And, and so he, he, he asked him, why do you want a hot tub, not a safe room? And the couple said, well, we're 75-year-old. We're 75-year-old. I'd rather have the hot tub. You know, I'm ready to go, and I'd rather have the hot tub. And sometimes I wonder if we're not like that couple, if we're just waiting life out, you know, just enjoying things, waiting it out, Man, I'm certain age. Retirement's around the corner. This is going to happen or this is about to happen. So what do we do? We're just marking time. I'm saved and if I go today, I'm going to heaven. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm going to heaven. But we're just marking time. We're not doing investing in the things of the kingdom of God. We're not upset. We're not serious. We're not affected. We're not caring. We're just marking time. Another day. I'm getting closer to my thing. Closer, closer, closer. What are you going to be? Where do you think you are now? Are you just marking time, or are you excited about the Lord Jesus Christ? Believe me, there's a difference. Let's bow and Father, thank you today for um, the evidence of your presence with us this morning. Power of your mighty Holy Spirit. Lord, for the examples of over and over again, we see the hand of your deliverance. Father, I'm just praying this morning for someone here this morning who may need that powerful deliverance who's bound in something and who's needful to believe that there's a way out, that there's a way across that I can go through and come out to something of promise on the other side. Lord, I pray for our church today. For a deep conviction in Jesus Christ that He really is the only hope. For that deep burden for revival. For a powerful stirring of Your Holy Spirit. So that we'll stop just marking our days and time. We'll be investing our lives into You. I'm going to change our hearts this morning. Draw us close to you. Lord, thank you that we can cross our Jordans and we can do it in your power. In Jesus' name, I thank you. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning as we share in a time of invitation as Adam leads us in a few verses this morning. God is so good. He's so good. The wonderful thing about our God is that over and over He, he speaks to us. He, he challenges our complacency. He, he blows up our, our, our false assumptions about who He is and what He wants us to do. And in the Lord Jesus Christ, there's powerful results. You, you may be here this morning and you desperately need something. But I, I want to assure you that God has it. He has it. It may be a word of encouragement. It may be for Him to take your hand and lead you from where you are to a new place that He wants you to be. God is able to do that. He'll part that, that raging sea. In those verses that we read, He, he split the river. Water mounded up on one side. I don't know what that looked like, but it had to be something pretty unique. And on dry land, on dry land, they walked across into the promises that God had for them. Maybe you're needing to pass through your storm, through your river, your flood, onto that place that God's promising you now. You can do that today. I want to invite you this morning to come. God may be leading you just to pour your heart out to Him. Right here at this altar this morning, you can do that. To ask Him, Lord, revive me. Stir my heart. Help me to stop marking time and start investing my life. Maybe your decision this morning, it may be to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. To trust in His shed blood the remissions of your sins today to believe in him to invite him into your life as your savior i'll be up front i'd love to just take a few minutes and share some scripture with you that might help you or encourage you no matter where you are today as we sing then you come